Hey, hi, hello, welcome. Good to see you again. Why don't you sit down and stay a while? Everyone, welcome back to the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. It's the reason that your favorite podcast is no longer your favorite. It's me, your boy, Kevin Krein, a.k.a. Kevy Fly. Folks, this is the sixth episode of season five. It's the 30th episode overall. Can you believe it? I sure can't. This show is 30, flirty, and thriving. And I am none of those things. I'm very excited about the guest that I have on the program today. Nothing but illustrious guests. You know the fucking vibes. Uh, big name coming through in the virtual building to chop it up with me. Before we get to that, please stick around after the conversation, after the tunes, after the interview. Uh, I will be sharing some final thoughts because this is the final episode of this season. Uh, I'll be taking some time away from this. Hopefully, I'll be back in 2022 because hopefully we'll all still be here. But goddamn, folks, it's real touch and go sometimes. So after that will be the fine print, as there always is. And you can feel free to shut that off and go back to a true crime podcast or whatever it is y'all listen to when you're not listening to this. Uh, Coming all the way from Philadelphia... My guest uh, has been in the beloved pop-punk group Chumped. She also fronts the similarly-minded group Katie Ellen. At the beginning of this year, she released her debut solo album. It's called Wild River. We talk a little bit about that, and we talk about the songs that she selected to present for this episode. So without further ado, folks, as you're able... Please put your hands together and welcome to the show, illustrious guest, Anika Pyle. Well, so first and foremost, um, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this, but also like to come up with a list and being willing to be a guest on the show. I'm really appreciative of that. Oh my gosh. Of course. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so for folks at home who might not be super familiar with your output as either a solo artist or with any of the bands that you have done before we get into talking about the songs that you have wanted to discuss and anything else relating that I have written down here on my scrap of cardboard <laughs> clipped to my microphone stand. Um, do you want to just introduce yourself? My name is Anika Pyle and I'm a singer songwriter and also a writer writer. Um, and I live in Philadelphia. I used to be in a couple punk and indie bands. Um, and that's how a lot of people know me, but I just put out a solo record this year and yeah it's kind of a combo of song and spoken word poetry um yeah and i'm just floating out here in the ether like everybody else (laughs) (laughs) well the one thing one of the things that i wanted to get into so i you had read the thing that i wrote about wild river Mm -hmm. and then i had heard of you and all of your work kind of after I did like a really deep dive, but I had saw somebody tweet something about Katie Allen. So I wanted to ask, 
Are you, is that still an active project for you or is that kind of donezo for now? No, it's, um, it's kind of just on hiatus. Uh, Everyone, you know, half of us used to be in Philly. Half of us used to be in New York. Now, um, one person has moved to Richmond and someone just had a brand new baby. Um, so we're, you know, and then there was, of course, the pandemic. Um, <laughs> so I suppose um, that probably made everything relating to being in a room with a bunch of other people real difficult. Yeah, especially traveling between now three cities. It's tough. So, you know, that it's not dead. Um, it's okay. just we're all doing some other things and we're all, you know, in, still involved in each other's music and stuff. So, okay, cool. Um, I just was, I, I was listening to, um, one of the records yesterday to get like fired up for for the show and i was like man i hope that this is still a thing because i got like so late to the party on it and i was like damn i hope she's not going to be like i don't want to talk about that group no 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 no. i'm not i feel like yeah i don't i don't draw hard i'll talk about pretty much almost anything (laughs) okay um and but so you you put out wild river earlier this year and then the lp like the physical version came out in may and before we talk about I just want to say I've been doing these interviews for this podcast with like kind of well-known people or like what I would say, like fame, what I consider to be famous people Mm -hmm. for a little, just a little bit now. It used to be just like friends of mine or people I knew from work and it would just be like a fun kind of just exchange where we got to know each other a little more. But I've started reaching out and making these connections with people who I've written about their albums and building these relationships and I think this is the most starstruck I have been doing one of these just because this album means so much to me. So before we oh do gosh. anything, I just want to say thank you so much for like this. Oh my I gosh. don't know where I would be without it, truthfully. And so just I from the bottom of my stupid heart, thank you so much for putting yourself out there and making something that really resonated on so many levels. Um, I'm so sorry. I keep getting this freaking phone call. <laughs> <laughs> during this really heartfelt thing um i just can't i i really wish that that didn't happen because oh, that's okay this that's is, okay this is what life does it like it um you know it brings you the um it's like a deep beauty and also it's just like really stupid and hilarious so um <laughs> and that's kind of what wild river is about so yeah it uh, is yeah yeah fitting <laughs> um but no that means so much to me and yeah i um i no need to be starstruck i'm just a weirdo like everybody else um yeah but i i really appreciate appreciate that you uh have picked 10 songs to talk about and i'm curious to find out what is what criteria did you use for the tunes you wanted to discuss on the program well, I don't know why I did this, but I was like sort of just going from day one, you know, and I was like, which I was, you know, I, I was trying to cover a lot of like um, autobiographical ground and mm-hmm. choose some things from my lifespan, um, mostly Wait, stuff you just, that you, you just had a birthday pretty recently, too. Right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I happy, did. happy belated birthday. Thank you. I really um, liked your little thing that you put on Instagram. It was like your list of not goals but like things that you wanted to do or accomplish or at least consider like both last year and this year and I thought that was really interesting because I I have never sat down and like tried to come up with like a 
something to consider throughout the next year. So I I was appreciative to to see that kind of thoughtfulness. Oh yeah, I I like to set some intentions for the year. Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to put it. Intentions. Yeah. Um, so your list is autobiographical in a sense. It's autobi. It's a little autobiographical. It kind of okay. like works its way, or it starts way back, and then it works uh-huh. its way forward. And then I, today, okay. I was like, "Oh my god, I could have like done all these other songs," but that is what <laughs> life is. Just it's just full of music. But these are all good ones. These are like they're okay. all really meaningful for various different reasons. Um, and I'm excited. I was like, I I don't know. It's just like excited to have the opportunity to kind of look at some things that had really influenced me in various ways um so yeah i'm excited excited to talk about these because uh some of these i hadn't heard and some of these i'm obviously pretty familiar with but i'm i'm fascinated to hear where they fall in your life and the story behind them hell yeah Uh Off the top here, you have the locomotion. Yeah, but it's the original version of the locomotion because, uh, as a product of the, I'm a product of the '80s, um, so I'm familiar with like the cover version of it that was very popular. Like oh. I think Ky- Kylie Minogue did a version of it that was like l- probably late '80s, early '90s. Oh wow, cool. Okay. Um. Yeah, that was like her first big kind of like hit before she went away for a while and then came back like 20 years ago with that dance pop song can't get you out of my head oh um, can't get you in yeah, yeah yeah you know it yeah, yeah. You the, know one, the, the one but the one so but little eva tell me about this tell me where this falls into your life and kind of how you came into this uh, kind of classic like r&b um motown adjacent kind of sound yeah i i don't know how i heard this song um but I, when I heard it, I was so enamored by the melody. I really loved the melody. So, um, because, you know, it was very catchy. Um, <laughs> and so that's one thing where I was like, oh, I love to sing this song. And I think it was an early awareness of loving to sing and being drawn to a song, you know, um, and so the first song I ever wrote actually was a song to the tune of this song, but it was about princes and princesses because I was, um, I think, probably six years old. And so I didn't really have much going on in the way of what I yeah, thought that, songs should be written about. Yeah, that's a, um, an interesting kind of topic is when did you start kind of like when did you start having an interest in like learning an instrument, singing and like kind of wanting, wanting to be 
a performer? I, f- I don't know. I, I, I honestly feel like I don't think we're born with things. You know, we're not born with like talents or destinies. I, I don't yeah. think that. But um, I, I don't I feel like singing has been such a part of my life. Um, and like I feel like I was born to like sing, you know, sometimes I'm like, what's my purpose? Um, and yeah, I've just always kind of loved it. I feel like I was always just sort of really drawn to music and motion. And I loved to, you know, when I was a little, little kid, I, well, I first wanted to be a figure skater and then I kind of gave up on that, but, (laughs) and, uh, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. I would have been a terrible (laughs) figure skater. Um, but then I wanted to be a singer, a writer, and an actress, and that's still, you know, that's still kind of what I want to be. Um, and that a lot of that is really just because I love the way that performance and song um, and words can affect um, the human experience and allow people to come together over yeah. a feeling. So, so did you did you take like vo- vocal lessons or did you just kind of like naturally pick all that up? No, I I I grew up I was in choir from a very early age. I was lucky enough to go to a school district that had, you know, music programming. Um I know a lot of schools don't have arts and music programming. And so yeah, I was in um proper choir from I guess you know, second grade to um, my sophomore year in high school. And then I did musical theater all through high school. So I had some training there. And then I didn't do any training at all or take care of my voice (laughs) at all because I was in a bunch of punk bands. But this year during during the uh, elongated snow day that we've been having, I started taking actual vocal lessons. And it's been really one of my anchoring experiences during this time. It's like something that I've really looked forward to and has made me feel like I'm doing, you know, bettering myself and um, have a routine. And so that's been really fun actually. Um, Cool. Yeah. So we kind of got off topic already with the, so the locomotion is just like a, a song you were introduced to early on and it was like a jumping off point for you. Yeah, it was the first, the locomotion was the first song I ever wrote, (laughs) but not, you know, and I also, I love um, kind of the like 
like classic girl group um, sound and have always been really drawn to that era of popular music. And so that was kind of also an introduction to this kind of lifelong love that I have for that sound. So, yeah, that like 60s R&B kind of vibe is I did like a really deep dive on all that a couple of years ago. And it's just like there's nothing but hits. There's yeah. so so many great. It's not even just like the big name stuff or like big singles that you can that are easily to easy to identify. It's like the further you get, the more kind of like lesser known artists you find who still have like really good stuff. And it's all really fun and just really captures the essence of that time period. Yeah. And I just the vocal performances are so astoundingly good. Um, yeah, and for sure. Yeah, it w- it's. I um, if if I can only sing like that, but I have my own <laughs> voice and it's different and it's okay. <laughs> Yo, So let's talk about the Spice Girls because this is very, very, very exciting. Um, you picked Wannabe. Yeah. Which is like the world's introduction to the Spice Girls. I remember this song when it came out and this, the chaos of the video and seeing it on MTV. So where does this fall into your life and how hard do you still ride for the Spice Girls? Dude, I ride so hard for the Spice Girls. <laughs> I know I now know after, you know, learning many things that their entire uh shtick is complicated mm-hmm. in many ways. But I as a young person, um mm-hmm. a young girl of the of the 90s uh mm-hmm. was just so obsessed with the Spice Girls. They were like my whole world. It was my first concert that I ever went to. I oh, still wow. have the t-shirt. It's like 25 nice. years old or something. Nice. Um, and yeah, I loved this song. I totally remember seeing the video on MTV. I remember just being like, who is she? You know, and <laughs> and just like uh, me and my friends were just like, you know, so taken by this group that we like we formed our own band. It was called Touch because that's what the Spice Girls were called before they were called the Spice Girls, which can you imagine if the Spice Girls were called Touch? That would be so weird. Um, 
and it's also yeah, kind of weird they... for like a bunch of I... eight-year-olds to be in a band called touch too so yeah that's, that, <laughs> that opens up that's a whole other podcast i think yeah probably um... not one that we should do <laughs> um, <laughs> um but that's i didn't i did not know that, that that's what the name of the group was called before spice girls but that really closes a lot of doors for them in terms of a song called spice up your life yeah and making a movie called spice world yeah like, um you can't just drop the word touch into either of those things because no. then it just it's wildly inappropriate yeah um, you're really cutting out you're really doing a different audience there I think. Know, that's an audience no one needs to be pandering to yeah. um how how wild was this to for you to be your first concert because you um i mean this song was very popping in like 96 97 and i mean yeah like as a as a eight-year-old or whatever was it just like how fun was that oh my gosh it was the best i like it, i'll never forget it it's so crazy how vivid the memory is in my mind just because i i was like you know we all dressed up i was sporty spice um mel c forever if you want to be my lover you gotta get with my friends make it last forever friendship never ends if you want to be my lover you have got to give taking is too easy but that's the way it is so here's a story from a to z you want to get with me you gotta listen carefully we got m in the place who likes it in your face you got g like mc who likes it on a easy beat Yeah, like we, it was at this place called Fiddler's Green in Denver, where I'm from, and it, it's this big sloping lawn. It's probably not called that anymore. I don't know what it's called now, but big sloping lawn, and everybody like brings their blankets, and you sit, and everyone has a view because of the way that the venue's shaped. Um, and I just remember like all of these really small girls being like so excited, and then all the dads like standing on the wall in the back. This is why I'm like, you know, now with um, after I've studied feminism and um, uh, it, I'll just like this is a funny moment because they played this song called Naked and they were wearing like full bodysuits, but it, mm -hmm. they were up, they appeared to be naked and they were like, you know, when you sit down in like a backwards chair or whatever and it's like sexy or whatever. Sure. That's how they perform the song. And uh -huh. I'll never forget because all these like little girls were like so stoked the whole time and the dads were like this is the most boring thing i've ever seen until of course they played this song naked and then all the dads start to walk forward towards the stage and oh, i was no. just it was just oh, like no. but it was this early it was this early awareness of like 
objectification yeah. and you know i like processed a lot in that moment where i was like oh i like this for a different reason that you like this and like also what does it mean to be marketing sexuality towards young children but also like young children are actually sexual beings like in their own right and like i you know should be raised more sex positive so that they understand like their own cons like I you know their own yeah. boundaries and consent and I don't even know why I'm talking about this but um it was just like you had you had like a whole awakening at a Spice Girls concert I did and also you know I've just like it was it was a an interesting early like all of loving the Spice Girls was an early introduction to like gender politics gender and sexuality yeah. politics and and understanding that these women. I admired them so much and I loved their music and I knew every word. I had every CD, even like the shittiest singles. I had everyone. I had every doll. I had Spice World on VHS. I cried when I didn't win the concert or when the contest where you could meet them. Um, and yeah, I was obsessed, but I also was like, oh, these are caricatures of yeah. women, you know, and yeah. I feel empowered, like girl power is something that I take with me. And I think that was sort of this sort of capitalistic call for equality. And I, you know, I can take what works and leave the rest. Um, so, yeah, it was just like, I, I think it really incited a an interest for me in not only pop music, but also gender and sexuality politics. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and yeah, I still love the Spice Girls. So. Um, do you ever think about, I don't know if you do a ton of like covers at all when you're playing, but have you ever tried tackling a Spice Girls cover? Wow. Or is that just like a holy grail that you don't want to touch? I haven't, but you know, okay. I, I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, I'd have a new Patreon project. <laughs> I don't know why I hadn't you thought about do... it. I I I don't know. I I'm not a musician, but I'm always thinking about like ways to deconstruct songs or like make covers that might work of songs that I like. And so I just deconstructing a Spice Girls song seems like a like not it seems difficult, but it definitely seems doable. Yeah. And it would like make the song work and add a, a, an additional layer to it. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be, I, I don't even, I'm not, I just, now I'm just thinking about which one I'm going to do because there's just so many possibilities, but it's, it's time to put out a, a song by song cover album of <laughs> Spice Girls. <laughs> that would be, it's so your next awesome. project. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I want you to know that I'm happy for you. I wish nothing but the best for you both. I know the version of me. Is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you?
Are you ready to get into the next one? I am. Okay. Well, the, the like the talking about the gender politics kind of is a nice segue into this one. Um, Alanis Morissette. Yep. Whew. I, you know, I hadn't listened to this song in a really long time. And when I was playing this, when I was like prepping myself for the show, I was like, I forgot how hard this song goes. Mm-hmm. Like she did not have to go this hard on this song, but she did. She, and so, she went there. She really went there. And so let's talk about You Ought to Know. This is her kind of introduction into a world stage as far as a, a performer. Because mm-hmm. um, she put out, I think, a couple albums before this just in Canada. But so where does this one fall in your life? Because this is a couple years prior to the Spice Girls. So when did you discover Alanis? Well, it was actually about the same time for me. I would say like shortly after the Spice Girls, okay. although I was given Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill for my, I think, eighth birthday. It was at is a, a mini golf. That is um, a wild birthday present to give an eight year old. Yeah. I was um <laughs> I don't I was gonna say I was woke, but I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> it was probably the it might have been the censored version from Walmart. I don't I don't think it was though, but my parents were no, like, that you know. that album does not have the advisory lyric sticker on it, so I don't think it I don't know if there is an edited version. Yeah, maybe there well, I don't remember having it. I I just remember okay. I just remember being um yeah, I got, I got, I really wanted this CD because I heard a song on the radio, probably ironic because that was sure. probably the song on the radio. And I was like so into this album and it's really interesting juxtaposed to the Spice Girls, which is like, you <laughs> yes. know, this is the same time period that I'm like being exposed to all these songs. And Alanis Morissette is probably like the opposite in terms of, or, or like a more, um, authentic form of uh, girl power, I would yeah, I say. say she's a very, it's a very confrontational form of girl power. Yeah, but also like very emotive and sensitive. Yes. And this was like the first, um, you know, like the first record where I was like, oh, it's okay to be an angry woman. And, um, and that there's like power in that. And this song really represents that for me. Like it, this is like, you know, for people who are Katie Allen fans, the song "Sad Girls Club" is like mm-hmm. my "You Ought to Know," like a very watery, very watered <laughs> down version of of "You Ought to Know," much nicer. Um, but yeah, I feel like this was like, oh, Alanis Morissette is like totally in the Sad Girls Club, and like I want to be Alanis Morissette. And I loved her voice. I was obsessed with like trying to mimic the yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. She she does a she really goes for it with a lot of the vocal performances on that album. Yeah, she, like that hidden track that that it's just like the acapella hidden track that's mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. here. I I think about that a lot because just the way she holds those notes and just kind of pushes her voice into all kinds of different places is it's really. I want to say it's haunting, but it's like it just lingers. And yeah, it's it's powerful enough that even you know, like, damn, this album is well over twenty five years old at this point. 
like that's that speaks to how important it was at the time and still is and like how powerful of a songwriter and performer she is yeah and i feel like that was it was one of the earlier earlier moments where i was like oh i want that's what i want to do you know yeah Since the Spice Girls were your first concert, have you ever seen have you seen Alanis ever? I haven't. I haven't. Okay. And I should. Um, I don't know I I don't know what her what her um touring situation is like these days, but I would love to see her live when the world is different. You know? <laughs> <laughs> She's probably chilling at home with her kid, like drinking tea by she, the fireplace or she something. She was gonna do I think she her 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 intent was to do some kind of jagged little pill celebration tour and um like last year and then it got put on hold and i think i don't know if it's still happening now but it was going to be like her and liz fair and garbage i think but liz fair dropped off of the tour but Mm. i don't know where they're like if it's happening now or where it's i so this is maybe this is a good time to talk about like you played your first show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this podcast will not be, this will be coming out much later than today, this conversation we're having. But so you, it's early September. You just played your first show since the pandemic started. Yes. And what was that like? I mean, because one of the questions that I've been asking people since I've been having performers and songwriters on the show this year is like, how has the last. 18 19 20 months like impacted your creativity your like the way you work how you work and kind of like how you've had to adapt to keep going forward and not just like get into some kind of depressive spiral that never ends (laughs) yeah or if that is that's happening too and you're still working like it's uh it's a it's a roller coaster of emotions every day yeah it is it is um yeah I definitely I would say that this period of time is the first 
time in my like since I can remember that I wasn't working two to four jobs. Um, before the pandemic, I was working three jobs. So four if you count teaching yoga. Um, five if you count being a musician, which, you know. Um, Holy shit. So I... Five jobs? Yeah. And that's kind of like my MO. I'm like kind of a hustler. Um, Can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. But it's not good for my no, brain, really. No, <laughs> um, not at all. So actually the past year, I feel like I've been more creative than I ever have in my adult life which has been so rewarding and awesome and i've got to you know we were all forced to pivot and kind of learn new technology that we weren't familiar with and i you know was able to dive into some things that i've been wanting to do for a long time like learning some of the adobe suite photoshop mm -hmm. InDesign stuff um and i started a patreon in november of last year and that has really sort of jump started um, like it was just an excuse to really, you know, be accountable to my own creative practice and whether that be songwriting or art making or zine making or poetry writing, um, essay writing, whatever, it's just kind of opened up all these possibilities for me. And because I, I do a lot better when I'm like accountable to others, sure. um, rather than just being accountable to myself. So I've found that having the Patreon has been really special. It makes me feel less alone. I think it makes other people feel less alone, but it also gives me an excuse to make things every month. And that's been awesome. And then I put out a record in February. And so that's been, you know, has kept me very busy. I did all the artwork for that. I've been, I did all the PR. I've been like, you know, kind of. So I feel like because I was grateful enough to be granted unemployment, thank you, um, the US government, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to use this as my like year long artist stipend from the government okay. and that was so it was just very purposeful like i don't i don't know if that's a, an appropriate use of that word but um yeah it made me feel like i had was fulfilling my purpose for well that's um, great yeah so but it also you know is not without like a constant inner emotional turmoil about the things that are happening in the world Sure. The suffering that yeah. everybody's experiencing, you know, I'm like hold, trying to, yeah. It ain't good out there, let me tell you. No, yeah. And and it's, I definitely, you know, have been, my partner is a songwriter as well. And so we have been like running the gamut every day of, we've been, you know, very, we're all epi epidemiologists now, but we're definitely have taken quite a hard stance on, took quite a hard stance on the quarantine situation and um and every day we're like i don't know will we be able to tour again will you know it's just the music industry like many industries but especially the music industry when you think about it has just been um or or you know traveling live entertainment mm -hmm. in general yeah, has yeah. just been so decimated i just like yeah but that said i did play a show last night it was outside it felt really um, I don't know if anything is really safe, but it felt like I could be as safe as could be for a moment and sort of forget that um, everything is a <laughs> cold red threat. Um, and it was just it was just so nice. I like I forgot how much I love to play and sing for an audience um, and to like see people come together over music and um, 
yeah, it just felt, it just felt really, really good. So I hope that we can continue to do the right thing and create opportunities for, um, for our future as a human species. And yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. Good. I, um, I mean, when people started rolling out tour dates for like the fall, I was like, who pump the brakes there gang. It's that seems way too soon. And then like stuff is already being postponed and it's all like, I get that you need to, prove like you have your vaccination card wear a mask during the show some of the shows are all outside now i'm just still kind of like i don't know how i feel about being in a room like seeing a show with a bunch of other people like it i'm just not a like a a good level of comfort yet with that yeah i totally so get that i i hear you and then i see like there's a bunch of artists that announced tour dates for next year and I was like, that's cute that you think we're all still going to be here. Like, yeah. I, I'm like, a lot can a lot can happen in a couple of months. Like, yeah, it's it's so hard. I feel like our, our ability to future plan has just been, like, destroyed. I, I have some shows that haven't been announced yet in October. Maybe they'll happen. Um, <laughs> and they're, they are inside. And I'm excited to... You know, I was excited to say yes to them, but I approached them with a caution. Caution, yeah. And yeah. I think something that is very different in the music world right now is before it, you didn't cancel a show ever. Like it would take a catastrophe to cancel a show. You would play yeah. so sick. I remember mm-hmm. once my first band, Chumped, played with Saves the Day, which was like my, which I can't believe I didn't put a Saves the Day song on here, but um, <laughs> which was like, I peaked. I was like, I can't believe we get to play with Saves a Day. And I was so ill. I didn't have a voice when I woke up in the oh, morning. No. And oh, I no. I was like outside the venue, like drinking tea, just basically like I, I definitely had the flu or something. I shouldn't have yeah, been around yeah. people, you know. Of course. But you never canceled a show. It's just not something that you did. And so now I feel like, you know, we and that's for various reasons because, you know venues like you it uh, i don't know it's very complicated but anyway now i think there's this moment where it's like we're going we're able to choose health and safety over this other thing over capitalism really (laughs) over money um yeah and so you know i think that everybody sort of reserves the right to say nah if they don't feel comfortable and so that's what makes me feel okay saying yes to a few things um but i definitely don't think i'll be doing anything else after that um are those shows only are those on like are those east coast they are yeah okay yeah and there's just three of them but um i feel like i can barely put one foot in front of the other right now (laughs) yeah it's yeah it's been a wild time it's like it's just it's it's been rough and it is tough to think far ahead even to like the end of this year i'm like oh december yeah let's who yeah what's gonna happen (laughs) who's to say what we'll be doing (laughs) what disaster will occur then yeah i know it's it's really interesting but you know this got real this got real dark and we can jump right back into this like i'm just like i i was curious to find out if you were like planning any shows or like any tours and but i totally understand like the hesitancy over traveling and safety um 
that was so tangential, but I'm glad that we got into that. Um, but I'm glad you're doing some shows at least carefully, but that you were able to play outside recently. Um, because that's got to feel really good and like liberating to yeah. get back out there. Yeah, it felt good. It felt good. Taking a sharp pivot in your in your list of tunes here, and we're doing another like a classic. This is "Strange Fruit" and the and Billie Holiday. So tell me about where this one falls into your life, autobiographically speaking. So this song, it's you know, speaking of dark, dark mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. own awareness of darkness. Um, this song, I don't. Uh, I was probably in the eighth grade. The seventh or eighth grade when I first really got into Billie Holiday and I had this big like jazz my like jazz awakening and I was listening to a lot of Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald and um Louis Armstrong and just like a bunch of different artists but I really love Billie Holiday and this song you know I I like was a punk you know Mm -hmm. I at the same time I got Alanis Morissette and Spice Girls I also was given my first punk CD dookie by green day nice um which is a great intro that opens doors yeah it opened a lot of doors for me um so and something that was always drew me to punk music was that it was at least a lot of the stuff that i ended up falling in love with it was very political um and so i was like oh pop music isn't you know i'm listening to spice girls i'm like this isn't political even though now i know that it's everything is nuanced but Mm -hmm. What I loved about Strange Fruit is it that this is a song about um, slavery. Yeah. And it's about lynching. Um, and it was so just the imagery in the song is really striking. Um, Billie Holiday's voice I fell in love with. But it was also like, oh, this song is important is making like is making a very specific and important statement and it felt very powerful to me to be introduced to that kind of um commentary and yeah i it was like music can be so many different things in so many different genre like every genre can be um Every genre is politicized, you know, Yeah, and yeah, and that sure. you can make a statement that's important or tell a story that's important 
no matter what kind of music that you're making. And obviously, you know, I, at the time I didn't realize the, um, long history of Mm -hmm. jazz music and blues music, which now I'm more well versed in, but that was sort of my introduction, um, to like this thread that I really loved to follow. Sent a magnolia Sweet and fresh Then the sudden smell Of burning flesh Here is a fruit For the crows to pluck For the rain together For the wind to suck For the sun to rot For the tree to drop is a strange and bitter That's really great that you got into jazz and like kind of well-known songs like this and like like songs that have kind of a long history and a, and a deeper meaning to them at such a young age. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I'm confident I would have never been exposed to anything like this when I was an eighth grader. So that's just, was this your parents uh, or did you, like, how did you, how does an eighth grader come to have like a jazz moment? I don't really know. Like I'm, I'm trying, it was not my parents. My parents were classic rock fans. <laughs> um, and so I as did most, as most parents <laughs> tend to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't remember. I just remember asking for a Billie Holiday CD for Christmas one year. And and I got one. It was like oh. Billie Holiday's greatest hits or something. Um, it's it's in a bag somewhere, sitting right next to me. Actually, all my CDs. I was like, are. is it? I was like, do you still have all your CDs? Yeah, none of them are playable. Probably they're all still scratched, but <laughs> I definitely have it in there somewhere. So yeah, so I can't. I don't remember the origin. I must have heard it okay. somewhere and been like, or maybe a movie. Oh no, you know what? Actually, I did a project. Um, I did a project in the eighth grade about. Um, are how heroin overdose, how over drug overdose has affected society for a project. Mm-hmm. And I was researching a bunch of musicians that had been affected by the use of heroin. And um, I remember, I think the two that are sticking out to me are Billie Holiday and Kurt Cobain. I think sure. That yeah, I was like, well, heroin was, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> very, very prolific usage there. Um, well, also in the in just jazz in general, I think at the mm-hmm. like in the fifties and sixties, um, that was like the drug of choice for a number of 
well-known jazz players. Yeah. I feel like that must have been must have been it, but I don't know. What a what a lighthearted project for a, <laughs> an eighth grader to take on. Oh yeah. I've been really um tapping into the darkness and the feeling for <laughs> my whole life. That's great. <laughs> I love it. We see the billboard girl, the one devoted to ritual. Yeah, this song, again, like, I feel like I'm really drawn to so many songs that I love songs that are either really hyper emotional or they make a strong statement. And this song, um, and obviously I have an early, like, obsession with gender um, studies, really. Mm-hmm. And um, so Strike Anywhere is a punk band from, I think they're from Richmond, Virginia. Um, I saw them when I was in high school. I fell in love with their music. Um it's kind of like hard, you know. Yeah, this is pretty aggressive. Um, it's pretty aggressive, but the person who writes the songwriter and front person for this band is like a really sweet, soft, passionate person, um, which you would never guess. And this song <laughs> is kind. It's basically a political commentary on, um, uh gender inequality and it was you know i was listening to like no effects and a bunch of other bands at the time that weren't as um there were other punk bands but weren't singing about women's issues you know and i still i i didn't know a lot of bands that were fronted by um women or non-men folk Mm -hmm. at the time and so um this was really important to me because I was like, oh, they're speaking on my behalf, you know, and this is something, these are things that I can relate to. Um, and uh, yeah, and this song became really important to me in high school. And then it became extra important to me after I went to college. When I went to college, I was sort of like, I don't do music. I went to study acting and then I was like, I'm not going to do that. It's a waste of time. Art is stupid. It doesn't serve society. I need to like you know, be a professional adult. I didn't take my guitar. I like totally kind of gave up on my deep identity. And as you can imagine, I was very sad. I was like, (laughs) Um, that sounds terrible. It was really bad. And I ended up developing an eating disorder that sort of ruled my life for my entire freshman year in college. Yeah, we're ungrateful. Yeah, we're Is that the goal? As long as 
My um, boyfriend at the time bought us tickets to see Strike Anywhere, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll go to the punk show. And I went, and I think it was Strike Anywhere and maybe Paint It Black, um, which is another great band from Philly. And um, and I was like, they played this song, and I was like, oh, wow, I need I need this in my life right now. Um, I need to be reminded that like my I'm not ruled by my body. My body is not a thing to be manipulated and controlled on behalf of society. Like a big reason why I sort of like left acting as a career path was because I didn't want to have a career that was based on my appearance. Um, and hearing this song made me feel like angry at you know, at the world and the the way that like these, you know, this society had um, that I'd been socialized to think all these things about myself as a woman walking around in the world, but also um, as a person who's a creative person in a role where, you know, you know, who who left the stage behind because I didn't <laughs> want to be looked at because I hated looking at myself so much and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be judged um yeah so this song sort of saved my life when you're like oh, oh that song saved no. my life I feel like this song saved my life it gave me like a, a lifeline a way out of this really dark period um yeah when I was a young person so thanks strike anywhere <laughs> um what where so this is kind of off topic, but you, you're from Denver originally. How did you end up in, in Philadelphia? So I was born in Denver and then I grew up from, we moved to a small town called Monument, Colorado. Um, and that's where I lived until I was 17. And then I moved to New York for college. I went to NYU. Okay. And then I stayed there for about 10 years and had been thinking about a move to Philly, and then I, I fell in love with someone who lived in Philly, and so I made the move down to Philly, and I've been here for six years? No, five okay. years? Five years. Yeah, five years. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's my Philly story. Okay. There's, like, a lot of good bands from Philly. Yeah, and I had made a lot of friends playing in bands um just because it's so easy to share shows between new york and philly so i had met a lot of people who i really loved who are are living here um especially there's a just a an amazing group of women making music in philly um 
and uh that was something that really drew me to this place because cool. that was something that I kind of lacked was a, a a good solid group of ladies um in my life so Again, kind of switching gears and in contrasting, you picked a song by the microphones. Mm-hmm. I felt your shape, and this is from um, this album is twenty years old now. I guess wow, it's celebrating really? an anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, they're yeah. going on tour, or maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um. So where does um where does this song and kind of the microphones and and Phil's body of work because he also did stuff as um oh what was the name of his other project that he had for a number of years uh well he he now performs as Mount Mount Erie Erie. yeah yeah Yeah. so where does all that fall into your your life um so I kind of like let's see probably just after I graduated from college is when I discovered the microphones um and this was one of the first songs i heard um by phil Elbrum, and i just like fell in love with it i just loved um how simple and like i love the sound of a person and their guitar i'm just Mm -hmm. kind of been like i'm just a sucker for you know folk (laughs) song i guess and um and I love that this song sort of feels like a poem, but it feels like, you know, it's kind of a love. It feels like a love song to me. I don't know exactly what it is um, to Phil, but 
And yeah, and so it kind of like defined this period in my life. I would like listen to this song on repeat. And then I was like, okay, I should listen to the rest of the stuff. And then I was like, oh my God, everything is so different. This is the weirdest music I've ever heard. And, you know, it kind of like opened my world in a way in terms of this, like the whole like Pacific Northwest K records mm-hmm. kind of I just sort of like went down a rabbit hole and was like oh my god I love Julie Doran I love like all these other affiliated um, acts at that time but I kept I always come back to this song it's it's got to be like one of my most listened to songs on Spotify and it just like defined this moment um, for me like I was living in this apartment in Brooklyn, I was like, you know, um, working at this job that was, well, all my friends worked there and we were just starting Chumped, which was my first band, which like did a lot of touring and it was kind of this like really special moment in time and I would often come home and after like a long day of like, you know, working a bajillion hours mm-hmm. and then practicing for a bajillion hours and like playing loud music, I would come home and sort of just like decompress and just sit with with this song or with um with the microphones and yeah it just like brings me back to that that time in a nice way that's really evocative like that whole like the whole idea of just kind of like being young and in a place like brooklyn and like working with your friends and starting a band and it just like that really captures a feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a moment. Yeah. That's a real moment. Yeah. Yeah. It was like my nightcap for the. For that. So Jeff Rosenstock, this is a name that I see a lot online and I've never I've never sat down with any of his stuff before, but, but I really liked this song a lot. Mm, yeah. So let's talk about Hey Allison. Yeah. I so Jeff was is like an iconic um was an iconic uh Brooklyn, Long Island, New York um musician he was Mm -hmm. previously in a band called bomb the music industry which when i first heard it i was like this is the worst band i've ever heard in my life (laughs) um and then which is like funny because jeff is a really good friend of mine now but i can say that i hated his music at first and then i was you know i went have had been going to this music festival i went for 10 years in a row it's called the fest it's like a big punk and hardcore fest in gainesville florida um and it takes place on halloween weekend and bond music industry was playing and i was like oh i guess i'll go check it out like a couple of friends of mine were going and so i went 
and I ended up having the best time. It was like the most fun crowd. Everyone was stoked. And I was like, oh, you know what? I actually kind of like this music. And it was the first time I ever crowd surfed. I, I actually had oh, wow. to because I needed to leave the venue and there was no other way to get out. So <laughs> I've never done that before. And that's I didn't realize that that was still a thing. Yeah. I mean, this was a long time ago. Okay. Um, but uh, it's still a thing, I guess, some some way. I feel like it's not very safe and it's kind of rude now, but it's it's fun. It's, it, there's a time remember, and place for it. I remember being at like a, a show when I was in my freshman year in college. And this is so this is like 2001. And I kept getting kicked in the head by crowd surfers because I was like looking ahead at the stage and not aware that people were trying to be carried across the audience. Yeah, yeah. Be turned around and then I'd be like, hey, who's this person like on my noggin? And I'd have to help push them. Yeah, it's um, really annoying. <laughs> it's, no one should do it. It's really not. It's annoying. Um, but I, I did it and it did feel kind of liberating i actually like so this is really really strange but i have crowd surfed i think maybe tw maybe three times i think at the last jump show i, I did some crowd surfing by audience request um <laughs> but i usually you're most people go on their back so you yeah. can't see what's happening but i actually yeah. go face down because okay. i want to be able to anticipate i want people like i you know so that you can get people's attention um, oh sure but that's not any fun anyway anyway don't crowd surf it's 2021 we don't do that anymore but uh especially in a pandemic i mean my god no like six no. feet apart folks yeah no we don't do that But Jeff Rosenstock saw his band and then I kind of fell in love with his music and the whole vibe. And so I became this big Bond music industry fan and would go to um, local shows. And I just loved Jeff's whole thing. Like he just is like gives a lot of a fuck, but doesn't give a fuck, like gives a fuck about the right things. He became someone who I like really admired the way that he operated his whole musical world. And then um and then he you know we ended up playing some shows together and i you know he kind of started over bond music industry ended and jeff rosenstock became a thing and this was um i believe his first single one of his first singles under this name under his own okay. name okay okay um and it was it came out right shortly before i left new york um I guess a couple years before that, but I, I feel like it was, you know, I was so excited for him because we had sort of formed this new friendship and, um, and I remember listening to this song walking, I walked all the way from the, the top tip of Greenpoint, New York, all the way over the Williamsburg bridge into Manhattan, just listening to this song over and over and over and over and over again. And it, it feels very New York. It like, um, you know, like even the chaos of the music itself sort of feels like being in, I think he references being in traffic and eating an egg sandwich and just like kind of New York-y things. Um, and then later on, 
um, Chump actually went on tour with Jeff, and this song appears, I believe it appears on a record, maybe? It appears on We Cool. I can't remember now, but, um, you know, I went from, like, listening to it on my headphones on repeat to hearing him play it live every night for six weeks. And, um, yeah, and so, yeah, Jeff, someone I hold very dear to my heart, and this song really reminds me of, like, this transitional period when I was leaving New York and moving Are you good to keep going? Yeah, with the let's last couple do here? it. Let's so do this it. next one, I had never heard of this band before, but I was maybe like a minute into this tune and I was enamored with it. And I, I tracked down a copy of this online and I ordered it. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, holy shit, this is incredible. Um, So this is this is. Uh, this is one of the things that I love about the podcast. It's like, I've been doing this. This will be the 30th episode that I have done of this. Nice. And it used to be people that I work with or friends of mine in my town. And I kind of could anticipate what some of their song picks would be. Sometimes I would be very, very surprised. But other times I would be like, oh, yes, you. I know you from work. So I know that you really like Joni Mitchell or whatever. So mm-hmm. like, but since I've been reaching out to so many other people now who are professional musicians who have uh, a ton of different influences and things that have inspired them, I have been pointed in the direction of so many new things to check out. So cool. And so this is one of them. So tell me, how do you pronounce this band's name? Cause I, I couldn't quite figure it out. Yeah. When, uh, when I was when I was listening to this, it's Kayatana. Okay. Um. Yeah. And the song is called Mountain Kids. So how do you, how do you, how did you come to the like? There are they still active? By the way, I kind of was like trying to figure it out, and I I couldn't. Yeah, they aren't. Um, okay. But the um, songwriter and and singer from this band has another project called Gladdy, which is okay. fantastic. Um, okay. And I'm biased because she's one of my best friends in the whole world, but I loved her music before she was my best friend. So, <laughs> um, but now I'm like her hype queen, but uh, yeah. So you, you're an industry plant for I'm big an industry Gladdy. plant for Gladdy. Um, uh, on tour now with Slaughter Peach Dog. Uh, anyway, so yeah so this so i met augusta who is the um singer of kaitana guitarist um 
at the festival, aforementioned festival okay. that I went to um, every year for 10 years. I met her in the bathroom. Um, one of these like classic, like what happens in the ladies room, like, um, <laughs> you know, we met in the bathroom. We had a mutual friend who um, my my partner at the time went to college with and we kind of just struck up a conversation and I was like, oh, I really want to be friends with this person. both it was both both before we started bands and we had been talking about how we wanted to play music and like we get so inspired when we go to the fest but also we feel like you know there's some barriers and we were just kind of like hyping each other up and we're like you should do it like start a band like let's do it and so we did and um they put out this song before it was on a record they put it out as a demo on Bandcamp, and i was still living in new york at the time but um you know, we were both, uh, you know, they, Augusta had just started Kaitana with um, the two other women who were in the band and I had just started Chumped. So I was really excited to hear this song and I just loved it. I, it was the first time I heard Gus sing. I'm obsessed with her voice. She has a very unique voice. I love her songwriting. I loved the band. It instantly became my favorite band. And I'm also a mountain kid. I'm from Colorado. <laughs> She's from the Poconos. Um, and so the song is about all these kids who grew up together in the mountains and then, you know, found themselves in Philadelphia. And so it was very like nostalgic thinking about I'm like, oh, I, I want to be I'm a mountain kid, too. Like, I'm, I'm a mountain kid, too. Um and yeah, again, it was one of these songs I just like listened to on repeat. And it was, it's just really special to me because Gus and I have just sort of been on this journey together. Our friendship has just grown more and more every year. And um, I, yeah, I just, she's like my, my rock, uh, my creative rock. And um, yeah. And so this song is really brings a lot of joy to my heart that's great i just i was i just quickly pulled up gladi on spotify and i'm gonna check them out after we're done i'm very excited you should 
<laughs> do, you get a, do you get do you get a kickback for yeah. mentioning them? I get like five dollars every time I say Gladi on a podcast. <laughs> Until you or every time you turn someone onto them, you're like, Have you heard? Not, uh, "How do you do, fellow young person? You like this band? You might also like Gladi." Yeah. And then. cruising right for the through the end oh and yeah this is exciting because this is a big big change yes um and i was so jazzed to see this on here um but so you picked a classic whitney houston tune um i want to dance with somebody and i was surprised to see this at the end of your list because i kind of got the impression i like gleaned that this was mostly autobiographical or kind of like in order of which it appeared in your lifetime yes so this is obviously an old song that has a recent resurgence or meaning to you. Yes, it does. So tell me about Whitney. Okay, Whitney, first of all, is the shit. I know. Um, She's so good. <laughs> and yeah, I the most talented vocalist of our time. We we I was blessed to have been alive at the time that Whitney Houston was alive, um, RIP. But this song is my one of my absolute favorite songs of all time. I'm obsessed with it. It is, um, you know, uh, it's my joy song when I like really need to reach for the joy. I just put this song on and it makes me feel so happy. It's just like, it's perfectly crafted Whitney's singing is incredible the production is like like 80s but also timeless Mm -hmm. it's timeless it's a classic it's played at every single wedding which is why it made a resurgence in my life because I started work one of my three jobs four five jobs (laughs) um (laughs) which I still work for um for this uh, company, but we no longer do weddings. But um, it's a vegan restaurant, and um, you're, you're you're speaking my language. Yes, it's called Miss Rachel's Pantry, and it's wonderful. Um, Is this in Philly? It's in Philly, and we do like 
20 person um, seated five course dinners now, but previously we catered a lot of weddings. So two summers ago, pre-pandemic, I was Mm -hmm. working a lot of weddings. In the before times. In the before times, I spent like many evenings at weddings and, and I loved, it was hard. It's hard work. Catering is like really hard work. It's very physical. Yeah. Physical long hours. Nobody gives a fuck about if you live or die because you're supposed to be invisible. Um, Uh But the great thing about it is I got to listen to all this wedding music and this is on every single wedding playlist. And every time it would come on, you can't not dance. And I love to dance. It's like a spiritual experience for me. I love the power of movement and the healing power of movement and music and that's what this song represents to me. And it's like, I'm so happy that I rediscovered it because now it's in my catalog of like um, code orange uh, activities. <laughs> you know, when I'm like, things are really melting down. I This is in my arsenal of... My- I should try that because so first, how do you feel about pop music? Because I mean, as somebody, I mean, there's, there's pop elements to your obviously the katie ellen stuff and with chumped like pop punk kind of stuff and then like you've picked a pop song here and spice girls are obviously that it is a pop a pop song from a pop group but as a, a as somebody in your early 30s who came of age during a time of like boy bands total request live Mm -hmm. all of that how do you feel about that kind of pop music? Are you like, do you, did you scorn some of it at the time? Do you ride hard for it now? Because oh, no. I, I had a re, like, I had a rediscovery about two years ago, hmm. and I was totally like such a hater about a lot of things. And then I had this awakening, and I was like, oh shit! A lot of the stuff that I did not like when I was a teenager, I actually really like all of it, and I know all of it. Because I grew up listening to it regardless of if I was actually listening or not because I just had MTV on. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I knew all the songs and I was like, I actually like this Britney Spears song. I was like, I like all of this pop music now. And it just was very, and a lot of people were like, hey, are you okay? And I was <laughs> like, well, no, but I mean, like this pop music thing, this is fucking great, you guys. Can't let, let, let's, let's listen. And so I'm just where other people fall on pop music spectrum. I'm just always curious to find out. Oh, dude, I live for the pop. Yes. It's all about the pop. I was never not, even when I was like, you know, I think that's why I love pop punk so much. Or, you know, like Green Day is a great example because it's all about the melody. Really, anything that I could sing along to and remember, I loved it. And like my mom was, I, I always tell this story because my mom was... um into classic rock but we like Mm -hmm. i feel like i spent most of my young adult life like driving around in the car or at the gym with her because she was a single mom who was like you know worked two jobs and we were just always driving around in the car or like at the gym because she had to go to the gym and we would always put on this radio station Mm 98.9 and it was the pop radio station so it, it played stuff like alanis morissette but it also played the spice girls nsync britney spears j-lo nice. uh you know like all the 90s pop hits but also some like alt stuff you know and yeah i i if i could only be a pop singer that's like 
I'm just trying to move. You're, I'm just trying to figure out how to make some beats and some. Is uh, it's, you know. is LP two going to be a hard pivot to pop music? Oh, dude, there's a big pop song. I'm just trying to figure out how to if it goes on the record. If it's like a standalone thing, it's definitely my favorite song I've ever written. And I'm like, I really, I want, I want to do it. I want to do it right. But yeah, I love pop music. It's just it's pop. It's called popular music. I mean, lots of reason, things are popular, yeah. but yeah, it's made. It's like scientifically crafted to make you feel good, um, to like encourage movement and so that you remember it, then you want to sing along to it. And like it's, you know, I'm sure David Byrne or someone has written a whole book on or maybe Rivers Cuomo, um, you know, <laughs> has like studied like what pop music. I mean, the brain likes uh, there is a study that says your brain is happy that music is good for the brain and whatever music you like makes your brain happy. But I bet. No, I don't. I, I would, I would, the Elliot Smith playlist that I have would, would tend to, to disagree yeah. with the brain happy thing, but <laughs> well, I, that's, a different, that's, that's a different podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, it is interesting. Like, is there something about, I mean, you know, there's, is there something about the key of a, of a song sure, or like, sure. you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it is about. I, but I love, pop music and that's why this Whitney Houston song I think is is to me probably if not the greatest pop song ever written it's a perfect pop song It is. It's a huge, like, musical accomplishment. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely up there. So, so I have I have three somewhat related questions about this Whitney song before we get in, and this conversation that we just had before okay. we get into the last one. First, you said you did catering for a vegan restaurant. Are you vegan, or did you just work at this vegan restaurant? I am vegan, but I've been calling myself a vegetarian because. I eat like an almost exclusively vegan diet, except for sometimes the neighbor bakes pies and mm-hmm. or, or like 
cupcakes or something and and it has we don't have the heart to tell them that we're that we're vegan and so my partner's been vegan for like 25 years but i've only been vegan for a few years so i eat okay. the pie <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i break i break for baked goods actually okay, okay. um and okay. like the occasional nibble of cheese but i am i it's a rare it, to rare to not be eating vegan um okay but that's yeah. great. My wife, my wife and I are both vegan, which nice. is so when you mentioned a vegan restaurant, I was like, oh, say more. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's time for me to, when it's safe, it's time for me to go to Philly. Yeah. Um, Philly. Great. If you, I'll send you all the spots when you want to come, I'll give you a breakdown. It's a very vegan friendly city. It's awesome. It's so, every time so many we great have, things. We, I mean, traveling right now, the idea of taking a trip is absolutely preposterous. But in the before times, we when we would travel, we would make our trips based solely on food. They were all food motivated. Oh, yeah. I'm, and so what it else was, is there when you vacation? When you dance, you said you like dancing. Mm-hmm. Are you, do you just like flail around to the rhythm and just like feel it with like kind of like a reckless abandon? Or do you have like... How how what kind of a dancer are you? Um, I would I would say I have some moves. Okay, I got some canned <laughs> moves. But it okay. for me it, it really is it feels like meditation because it it's like it's like a yeah it's it's sort of like a rhythmic um like I wouldn't call it a flailing but there is some flailing sometimes <laughs> um. But I only yeah. I only learned that I only learned that term to describe dancing a couple of years ago because of my, <laughs> my best friend. My best friend, she describes her dancing as flailing and it's really just like her rhythmically kind of hopping, but also waving her arms up and yeah. down a lot. Oh yeah. There's and, and a lot so of wa- arm waving. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well it depends. Kind of it how... depends. It okay. depends on what song okay. you're dancing to. You know what I'm saying? Sure. There's like it's usually know. us listening to Carly Rae Jepsen and then Oh yeah, a that's a flailing. flailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CRJ, that's some flailing stuff that can happen. But the last thing, have you and this is gonna sound like it has nothing to do with this song, have you ever read anything by the writer Hanif Abdurakib? No. Okay. He is a poet and cultural critic. He's put out a couple of books. He has a podcast. He um, he writes a lot about music and kind of like pop culture, but like in a really thoughtful, um, moving way. Mm-hmm. And he put out a book earlier this year. It's called A Little Devil in America. And it's about black performance Mm -hmm. and there's an entire chapter dedicated to Whitney Houston and there's a a thing where he talks about how she actually was not a good dancer interesting and she and so it's like juxtaposes this song and the idea of the, the kind of like the borderline desperation of the I want to dance with somebody who loves me but she herself was unable to dance to the song because I guess there's a live performance where she kind of starts to dance a little but then like realizes she's in over her head so she stops (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) yeah so I just I I thought that was like a fascinating little tidbit yeah Um, I I, I just wrote that down I want to read I want to read this yeah his stuff is incredible like he's got two collection he's got a collection of essays he's got a book about a tribe called quest and then he's got this book about black performance, and then he has two collections of poetry. Cool. Yeah. So if you're looking for like really thoughtful essays and pieces about pop 
pop culture and, and music and sometimes film, he's he's where it's at. I love that. Thank you. Of course. I'm up that if you're an industry plant for your friend's band, I'm an industry plant <laughs> yeah. for Anif, yeah. even though I I just reply to his tweets a lot of the time. I don't think he really knows who I am. <laughs> <laughs> So th- let's do this last one, and this was a, another like this is a, a huge one to close with, and I was re- I had never heard this before, and I was I was kind of not hypnotized by it when I was listening to it, but I definitely was entranced. Yeah, it's kind um, of so hypnotic. Al- Alice Coltrane, tell yes. me about uh, tell me about this song. Tell me about kind of where this uh, falls into your life, because again, I'm, I'm assuming this is probably pretty recent. Yes. So Alice Coltrane, this record was my most listened to record of 2020. It was like my peace, um, my, my peace zone. And I think there's only six songs on it. I can't remember how many, maybe even five. Um, but uh, Alice Coltrane is, I would say like a jazz um kind of like afro pop in some ways um you could one might classify it as world music this this, i was uh, trying not to use that expression it's just it's what a i wish i'm sure hanif maybe has some essay on what world music (laughs) is but um whoa sister i hear your doggo Everything's going to be okay, sis. She loves Alice Coltrane, too. Um, uh, Yeah, this record um, came to me during my yoga teacher training, which I completed in 2019. And um, I love it because it reminds me of um, Kirtan, which is 
um, kind of like uh, it's a basically a Hare Krishna church service. Um, okay. Which is a little freaky, and I've only been to one, um, but it's very, um, it's almost like creepily happy. <laughs> like, you're like, what? Like, every time I think of Harry Krishna, so I'm like, why are you so happy? What the fuck is wrong with you? Um, and where does your joy, like, why do you have sunshine coming out of your ass? Like, I don't want to dance with you right now. But when I went to Kirtan, I just sort of like lent myself. We did it as part of our training and I mm-hmm. lent myself to the moment and it's all chant based. Um, and you are encouraged to move. So it's sort of like moving meditation um, while you're chanting. And it's kind of, it feels sort of like you're in a trance a little bit. It's sort of addicting. And I think that's why people like it. And that's why they are happy Hare Krishnas because it's like, (laughs) feels kind of good to be like a freak with other people and like, just like kind of like feel this weird um, uh, ethereal joy.
So this record is very much like feels like a chanting experience. Um, I don't actually know the history of it, um, but it became sort of like my meditation soundtrack. um, And it actually like really um, uh, for like the first six months of 2020, Mm -hmm. I would do a yoga practice to this record every day. And that like really anchored me um, in a huge way. And so, uh, yeah, so this is really like a very, I think this represents sort of um, uh, a renewed interest in spirituality in my life and like defining that for myself and um, defining joy and where a practice of joy fits in for me um, and uh and like, you know, the idea of, um, I can like, my dog is trying to attack me right now. She's like, I don't care about your God and your joy. I just want a bone. Um, if only life were so simple. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm not like a believer of, you know, I'm, I don't ascribe to a religion, but I do feel like I'm a very spiritual person. I like want to believe that things happen for a reason. I do believe that people are all you know we're all molecules and we're scientifically connected by quantum theory and um and that we share a global like energy with all things on earth and um and this has kind of been sort of a a soundtrack to figuring some of that stuff out which has been really important process for me since i did my yoga teacher training um, what what kind of prompted you to want to do yoga teacher training and then like ease your way into set, like a larger kind of embracement of of like a, a spiritual nature? Well, I've been practicing yoga for um, like let's see, by the time I did my training, almost eleven years. Pretty, oh wow! Um, wow. But it was one of those things where it was like, it's on my New Year's resolution list every year to do yoga once a week. And it's like, because it always makes me feel so good. It it mimics kind of dancing. It's like prayer mm-hmm. dance, sure, aerobics, sure. <laughs> like strength training. Um, and it just feels, yeah, it just like feels so, I would leave a class and I would feel so good. And I was like, why don't I do this? Like at least once a week, just give this to myself, you know? Um, and there were a lot of barriers. It was expensive. Um I didn't feel like I had the skill to like lead myself at home and not hurt myself um, or do, you know, what, what I'd be doing it right or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I ended up doing this thing called energy exchange because I was like, I want to fulfill my goal. And I was um, of doing yoga once a week, but I can't afford it. Um, but I was also experiencing some um, chronic pain stuff that I've been dealing with for a long time. So I was like, well, maybe yoga will fix me. So mm-hmm. I started volunteering at a studio here in Philly and I would, you know, um, do some like membership management and cleaning the studio and prepping for classes or whatever in exchange for classes. And so I was able to, for the first time, meet my goal of practicing not hey. once a week. And then I was like, what if I practice twice a week? And then what if I practice three times a week? And my um, teacher encouraged me to do the teacher training. 
and I wasn't sure if I wanted to teach. I really just like wanted to be a student and deepen my own mm-hmm. practice. Um, and um, it was really transformative for me in a lot of ways, but it, it did give me this skill. I feel like yoga is so like there's like you're either in the yoga camp or you're like, oh, I don't do yoga. I can't touch my toes or it's or it's I'm going to hurt myself. I feel like there's like all of these like conceptions about what yoga is. And when I did my teacher training, I was like, oh, yoga is so many things. And um, at the time, I didn't realize that it was also, a you know, a spiritual practice. It's the physical movement. It's just one aspect of it. But it's been mm-hmm. so whitewashed and so westernized by so many people that it's like, you know, it's not um, like hot Kristen in the spandex doing you know bird of paradise on instagram it's like it's it's a way of life um sure and i think that's what alice coltrane is speaking to in these songs um carrying out this sort of like chanting meditative tradition um but yeah so i i'm not teaching right now i have an injury that um has prevented me from doing a regular yoga practice for a couple of almost like two months now which really sucks Ah. but um but yeah I like was teaching for a while during the pandemic and um you know used to teach in a studio my -hmm. studio has since closed that's like a sad thing that happened um like that loss of community yeah um but yeah, it's been a really important – it's an important aspect of my life. It's a practice I really miss, so I can't wait to fix this right arm. And <laughs> <laughs> But I should be, you know, doing all the other aspects of yoga that aren't, like, sure. down dog, you know. Like, I don't, yeah, you don't yeah. need down dog to do yoga. But <laughs> Can you – were you – how are you still able to play guitar with a – your injury well i have like very carefully or it's it's i mean i don't experience pain i have tendonitis in my elbow my wrist and my right hand so um the thing that affects it the most is anything weight bearing so like half the stuff that i do in my yoga practice um and like Mm -hmm. putting any pressure on the the wrist and the elbow so like even like it got so bad where i like couldn't pick up a jar without being in pain but because I, um, you know, when I'm playing, mm-hmm. I, I'm not like, there's no impact involved. Oh, I suppose. Um, it, it actually doesn't exacerbate it, um, okay. which is good. But it's that, like, yeah, uh, this, yeah. R- this right hand, it's just like, I was a barista for 10 years. I've played guitar for 17 years. I write, hand write mm-hmm. three pages with a pen every single day. So it's like... <laughs> it's it's suffered a lot of and then you know i'm doing handstands probably when i'm like not as strong as doing them which is why i have this injury in the first place so yeah my right arm is just like hey can you give me a fucking break because everybody else in the world is like uh is trying to chill and you're not so um yeah but I'll be back. I'll be back at it. Well, thoughts and prayers with your hand. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we made it. We made it through all of your tunes. We did it. Oh my god. This was such a my this whole body a, yet. 
Oh yeah, not, she's all fired up. Um, she's got big Friday night energy. Oh yeah, she's trying to blow up the club. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah, are in we one all? way or another. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh is there anything else we want to chop it up about, or anything else we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about on the program here? <sighs> oh my gosh, there's like seven thousand more songs that I could put on here, but this was you can a- always we can always do another one <laughs> if you want to. That's I never want to force it on people if they want to. Uh, like I'm always welcome. I'm always. A- up for people coming back if yeah. you're like i have 10 more songs let's fucking go <laughs> yeah, like, we got, i have 10 more maybe in 10 years we'll, we'll do another one and i have <laughs> lived more life but no this was such a fun um like just a fun reminder that songs have been such a powerful marker for my uh for my whole life and i'm like i'm gonna take these and then i'm gonna make myself a little playlist um and maybe do like a little like an audio essay oh that's great yeah i mean i'm i'm always like i'm just i'm always uh it's always a marvel to hear what people bring to this and what music means to them and kind of the memories that they associate with everything like this it's just like i i love that and i i'm always delighted when other people have a fun time talking about it at yeah. two and like they get excited about the songs and they're like oh my god and I remember that this happened too and it just like it puts me back it puts me in those moments with them kind of it's just like a very uh it's a very evocative experience I love it it's it's yeah. been it's been very yeah it has been evocative and just like yeah nostalgic and yeah, I'm grateful. A lot of gratitude during this experience for just music in general. And, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's one thing that I could probably stand to do more of is practicing gratitude. Oh, yeah. It's the magic, baby. It's the magic. <laughs> it is. It's the alchemy of the world. Gratitude turns shit into um, very expensive <laughs> gold underwear or something. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason I was going to say sausage, and I was like, as two vegans, that means nothing to us. But yeah, I was like into into like fake sausage. Yeah, beyond 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 it turns shit. Gratitude turns shit into beyond hot Italian sausage. So, there you go. And boom, oh. that's Sonika Pile, oh everyone. Gosh. Hey. Hey. <laughs> We're both industry plants now for Beyond. Beyond, meat yeah. This podcast is now sponsored by Beyond Burgers and Sausage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't even, I, I still can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night. Your dog's wiling out, but I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that you had the time and were interested in doing this and picked such a thoughtful. Uh, eclectic mix and had so many great stories and memories to share so thank you thank you again for for taking the time to do this i i really appreciate it a lot absolutely thank you for having me i am so honored oh bless your heart
Oh, well, what's that we're listening to? Well, it's a little bit of Anika Pyle. That is a song called Blame. And you can find that on her debut solo effort, Wild River, which is out now. You may download it from iTunes or from her Bandcamp page. You may stream it wherever you go to stream things. Or you can purchase a copy of it on vinyl. The vinyl is great. It comes with a little zine that she made that has some essays and photography in it. It serves as kind of a companion piece to the content of the record. You can get that and uh, Katie Ellen's albums and her albums with Chumped. You can find all that and so much more at nikapile.com. Buy some stuff. Support her because she's great. Many thanks to Anika for pulling up in the virtual building and being able to have such a thoughtful conversation and bringing a eclectic mix of music to the show to share with everybody. And also, as we descend into the final thoughts here on this season, I have to say thanks to all of my guests, all of them, all of them that accepted the invitation and made a list of songs and were willing to do this remotely and talk to me. Uh... Almost all of them were strangers, just people I know from the internet, musicians that I know from the internet, and it was a blast. It, like, I'm just very grateful. So thank you to Sydney Sprague, thank you to Danielle Durick, thank you to Tyler Dozier, and thank you to Anika Pyle. Um, thank you to my old college friend, Daniel Jackson, ah, 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 the homie who I've known for 20 years. She was a guest in the first episode of the season. And thank you to my wife, uh, Wendy Placco, for facilitating a discussion about music with my dumb ass when I was my own guest on this show. So here are my reflections on season five of the podcast, 30 episodes. I started doing this kind of on a whim uh, at the start of 2019, and I wasn't really sure where it would go or how long it would last. And it's lasted longer than some podcasts actually do, like professional podcasts. Some of them don't last 30 episodes. They don't last past one episode. So I guess that's something. Um, The thing with this season as I look ahead to doing this in the future, this season fell apart twice. Um, At least twice. Beginning in March, up until now. But the thing is, you don't see any of that, and you don't really hear any of that. The trick is to make this look effortless and sound effortless, and that I have my shit together, and that this is fun to do. And most of the time it is. But also some of the time it's not. Some of the time the idea of interviewing somebody when I've just come home from work doesn't sound great. And there are a couple times where I almost bailed and had tried to reschedule, but I pushed ahead and it worked out, but I'm not always going to be that fortunate. And sometimes this might not work at the beginning of the year. I had busted my ass to try to wrangle guests and get people to commit and get them to give me lists of songs. And I was starting to try to pick dates and times to do recordings. And in March, my wife and I had a death in the family and I was too depressed to do the show for two months. 
I just let it sit because I couldn't pull it together enough to sit down and do this and focus on this with the energy that is needed to maintain a conversation with somebody for 90 minutes. And even when I came back to it in May, I wasn't 100% committed to it. And by that point, uh, everything kind of fell apart again in terms of people's interest in doing it, people being willing to do it, staying in contact about their songs and when they were available. And that's fine. Like, I'm not pissed at the people I reached out to because they're people that I know. And if they are too busy, don't want to do it, don't feel up to it, whatever, it's fine. It just, the whole thing fell apart the instant I touched it again. And a friend of mine pointed out that at a certain point, the show was starting to have growing pains between what I was doing and had been doing and what I thought it could be if I pushed it just a little more. And so I started to push it in a different direction with the hopes that it would work. And because the way I was doing it in the past, it wasn't going to be sustainable to keep going ahead. My intent, of course, is to return for a sixth season as I am able to. First, if we're all still alive, here's hoping, fingers crossed. But also if I'm able to uh, make connections with the guests that I would like to have on and wrangle them, uh, that'll be great. But nothing is guaranteed until they're in the little Zoom window with me and we're recording the episode. So here's hoping this comes back. If not, you know, it's been okay. These last couple of episodes, they've been great. And I've, I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I have had to connect with these people who I consider to be famous. They just consider themselves to be regular, degular people. So now it's time, after all of my sentimental musings, it's time for the fine print. So thanks for listening. This is the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. It is the audio extension of the award-winning music website that's been taking the fun out of music writing since 2013, anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, I guess, if you want to, on Spotify, Apple, Google, all the usual places where you obtain podcasts. I'm there. You can listen if you want to. You can follow me personally on social media, uh, I am at Kevy Fly on Twitter and also at Kevy Fly on Instagram, where I am becoming a food influencer and icon. And then there's an Anhedonic Headphones Facebook page if you're interested. I don't really do a ton with it, just updates when there's new content. Uh, of all the people who I have had on this program this season who are performers, please, if you like what you heard, whether that's a little bit of the music that I've played or if you thought they were a compelling figure maybe check out their music and support them buy a record download an album buy a shirt go to a show if you're feeling uh invincible and want to be in a crowd of people do it go for it uh, a lot of people are, are on tour right now and would love to see your masked face in the crowd on that note thank you again for listening and supporting the show i appreciate it As we depart, please remember to keep wearing two masks, keep double masking, keep washing your fucking hands, and black lives still matter. Mm